0: Be attentive.
1: Brethren, I would have you know that the gospel which was preached by me is not man's gospel, for I did not receive it from man, nor was I taught it, but it came through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I The church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I had friends in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people, so extremely zealous traditions of my father's but when he had who had sent me apart before I was born and had called me through his grace was to reveal unto me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles I did not come with flesh and blood, nor did I go up into Jerusalem uh, to those who were apostles before me. But I went away to Arabia and again I returned into Damascus. Then, after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Sephas and remained with him fifteen days. I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother.
2: Peace be with you, the reader.
0: with all
1: with your spirit.
0: The reading is from the gospel according to St. Luke. Let us be attentive. that time there came, a, came to Jesus a man named Jairus who was a ruler of the synagogue and falling at Jesus' feet he besought him to come to his house for he had an only daughter about twelve years of age and she was dying. As he went the people pressed round him and a woman who had had a flow of blood for twelve years and had spent all her living upon physicians and could not be healed by anyone came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment, and immediately her flow of blood ceased. And Jesus said, Who was it that touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the multitudes surround you and press upon you. But Jesus said, Someone touch me, for I perceive that power has gone forth from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him declared, in the presence of all the people, why she had touched him, and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. While he was still speaking, a man from the ruler's house came and said, Your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. But Jesus, on hearing this, answered him, Do not fear, only believe, and she shall be well. And when he came to the house, he permitted no one to enter with him, except Peter and John and James, and the father and the mother of the child. And all were weeping and bewailing her, but he said, Do not weep, for she is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But taking her by the hand, he called, saying, Child, arise, and her spirit returned. And she got up at once, and he directed that something should be given her to eat. And her parents were amazed. But he charged them to tell no one what.
2: tidings. Glory
1: to
0: you, O Lord. Glory to you, O Lord.
2: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Two of the most feared things in a human being's life can be serious illness and death. Serious illness because it's painful for us and for those around us, it's costly both in terms of money and in terms of time, definitely very inconvenient. We lose time away from family and friends, we lose time away from our job, we lose time away from our regular life. Serious illness is humbling, and probably scariest of all, it's life-threatening. Death is also very scary for us. St. Paul in his letter to the Hebrews says that it's the fear of death that is one of the greatest causes of sin. Death takes us from our loved ones, it takes us from the pleasures of our life, it takes us away from what we know to, for many people, what they do not know anything about. It's a great mystery. We fear judgment when we think of death, and we perceive death oftentimes as final. Today, it's not by accident that our Lord, in this particular gospel passage, confronts these two most feared things. Serious illness in the woman who had the flow of blood and death in the only daughter of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue. When does this event occur? This event occurs first after he heals the two demoniacs in the land of the Gadarenes. And then after, he is able to calm the storm with his command. All of these events reveal the power and authority that only God can have. Power over the elements of the earth, over nature. Power over the evil one and his demons and over the forces of darkness. So today, let's examine these two situations. First, the only daughter of Jairus. As I said, he was a ruler of the synagogue and he was a ruler of the people. Neither Jairus nor the people around him had a clearly defined idea or belief in the afterlife. They were grappling with this idea before them. He was dealing with a double blow. The sorrow of a parent over a child, the only child who was seriously, seriously ill, with death imminent, and also humiliation before the people. Back then in Judaism, no matter who you were, if you had a child who was seriously ill and death was imminent, people saw that as punishment from God. And so they would have been talking amongst themselves, what did he do wrong? How has he misled the people or misused his power and his authority? This is why he comes and falls at Jesus' feet in utter despair, crying out for his help. The second situation is also very dire. We see in this second situation a woman who had a hemorrhage for 12 straight years and that she had spent all of her money seeking physicians to try to heal her and they, none of them, could heal her. Now think about this, even in today's life we know that on a monthly basis when someone has a flow of blood, how difficult that is. But how about 2,000 years ago? Her life was full of torment. We don't know if there was pain associated with this hemorrhage, But we know that it made her life full of difficulty, shame, and impurity. It rendered her unclean, religiously speaking. She was not able to go to church. She wasn't either able to go to the temple or to synagogue. So you can see how ostracized and cut off she was from her own people. Think about every day, the washing, the changing, the worrying and how filled with shame she was. We know that her illness was chronic. Twelve years is a long time. Think about when you have an illness for a long time, if you've ever experienced this, how abandoned you might feel, how hopeless, especially if you have gone to doctor after doctor after doctor, and no one can find a cure from you for you. So we can imagine that when she hears that Jesus Christ is coming near, and that he has the reputation to be a healer, to be a wonder worker, how she enters into the flow of that mighty crowd, that great multitude that was all around Jesus. The crowd is so great that Matthew, Mark, and and Luke describe it as Jesus being pressed upon on all sides, being... Tossed to and fro. People were bumping into him. And yet, even in the midst of all this, she says to herself with great faith If I even touch the fringe of his garment, maybe I will be made well. So we know from the Gospel passage that when the woman touched the hem of our Lord's garment, It says, immediately her flow of blood ceased. Mark says, she felt in her body that she was healed. And with regard to the now deceased daughter, because by the time this miracle happens, the people come and tell Jesus that this girl is dead. They tell tell Jairus, don't worry, he doesn't need to come anymore. But he takes Peter, John, and James and the parents... And he goes into the daughter's room and he takes her and touches her hand to hand and he speaks to her soul, Daughter, arise. The soul in obedience comes back into the body but not the same diseased and sick and ill body but because Jesus touched that girl with his hand, his divine power, his sanctifying and healing power came from him through to her and healed that body. So when the soul in obedience came back into the body, it was a whole, healed, healthy body of a young girl. And he lifted her up, and he gave her something to eat, and he restored her healthy and whole back to her parents. What do we learn from this? We learn that when anything, anyone, with even a little faith like Jairus, or a lot of faith like this woman, comes into contact with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, either physically, flesh to flesh, by His voice, by His command, or even His garments and His shadow, that there is a healing of either the body, the soul, or both. This is why in the church we say, with the fear of God, with faith, and with love, draw near. All of the holy mysteries of our church are opportunities and moments where we come into contact with Christ himself, Through the physical and material means. I want us to think for just a moment of the power of the incarnation. That God becomes a human being. And He is fully God, even though He's in the flesh. That means that the entire human person, the body, the mind, the will, the soul, all of His human person, is sanctified by its union with the divine. Not only that, but this gives the means of everything that is material and created, that participates in Christ in any way, the power to transfer grace, the grace of God, His uncreated energies, from that thing to us, unto healing of soul, body, or both. We celebrate this and we experience this. We put our faith into this in all of the holy mysteries of the church. The bread and the wine mystically participate in his body and blood unto remission of sins and life everlasting. The water of baptism becomes a tomb and a womb that we might be united to Christ and born from above, from heaven that the old nature might be put to death and the new nature raised up in Christ. The chrism, the holy myrrh, becomes a seal of the gift of the Holy Spirit because it is filled with grace. It seals us with the Holy Spirit that gives us the mind and union with God. The priest lays his hands on us, but it is Christ who forgives us. The bishop lays his hands on an unworthy human being who is a candidate for the priesthood and the grace of God comes down upon that unworthy person and makes him able, worthy to participate in the high priesthood of Christ. The holy oil for healing of soul or body or both. The crowns taking two and uniting them into one and uniting them to Christ. that they, through this union, can work out their salvation in the life of the church and in the life of the community. So my dear brothers and sisters, what we learn from this passage today is that as great as the authority and the power and the miracle of God in the lives of these two people, this is available to us every single day in the life of the church through the Holy Mysteries. My plea is that we prepare ourselves for these holy mysteries in as worthy a manner as possible as often as we can and avail ourselves of this healing and life-saving grace that we can have healing of soul and body on this life and even more so in the kingdom that is forever and ever to come. Amen.